Welcome to Look Behind the Look, the new podcast that examines iconic looks in film, television, music, and fashion history. I'm your host, Tiffany Bartok. Hi, welcome to episode 23, 23. We are coming back right after the Oscars. And I know everyone has their opinions about the Oscars and even this broadcast in general, but I was beyond thrilled to see the team from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom win the Oscar. I had just released the interview with Mia Neal, the one before this one, episode 22. She was the wig designer and hair department head on the film, and I'm sure you've seen her incredibly moving acceptance speech at the Oscars. If not, please look it up right now. It's so inspiring, so beautiful just so well said. It was a real highlight of the whole evening. And congratulations to the whole team, to the winners Mia Neal, Jamika Wilson, and Sergio Lopez Rivera. The team won a BAFTA as well. And that brings me to our guest this week, Morag Ross, who is also a BAFTA winner. Morag is Kate Blanchett's makeup artist for all of her films. She has been an integral part in creating her powerful looks, from Kate as Bob Dylan to Kate as the Marvel goddess Hela. And today, we speak about her incredible transformation into Phyllis Shafley from Mrs. America. You can find a lot of press on the Mrs. America look. It was nominated for all the awards and is truly, truly flawless. But we really get into it here, and I loved talking to Morag about everything else as well. And be sure to take a look at YouTube to see the looks that we're discussing as always. I also highly recommend following Morag on her IG because she's so generous with her beautiful content and it includes BTS of her collaborations with Kate and it's just really, really intimate and and so educational really to see. You, she, she really spills some secrets on there and shows you how she does things. Her Instagram handle is uh, Morag Ross Makeup Artist with underscores between all the words. So go do that. I wanted desperately to have Moraga on as a guest after I saw her work in Mrs. America, but it was really her work in creating Hela for Thor Ragnarok that sealed the deal for me. Her resume is formidable. She has the BAFTA win for Aviator and Orlando and nominated for Carol and Hugo and her work on Ocean's 8, Elizabeth, Black Dahlia. I mean, this is just naming a few things. She's truly the most sincere, talented, and intimidatingly cool artist. I'm honored that she took the time to let me in on a few secrets and I will share with you now our conversation. Enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mariah. You're so welcome. I am so honored to meet you. I I want to tell you how I came to your work. Um, just because it's a funny story. This summer during quarantine, my son and um, husband and I all did the Marvel movies in order. And uh-huh. in chronological order online, they have like a um, list of how it goes. And so uh, we did it in chronological order. And when I got to Hella, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I was talking to Troy about it. And I was like, oh, I want to do this for Halloween. I'm going to start planning it now. And this is it. And he's like, you know, I know, Morag. And I said, oh my <laughs> goodness, I have to talk to her about that. And then when I, you know, looked into you, of course, I recognized 95 looks that I have worshipped uh, all this time. Oh, thank you. Really, you're, I was looking at your resume today and was thinking there are a million looks that we could have picked, you know, Oceans and um, Carol. And I mean, I'm not there was incredible. Yeah, pretty good. Um, but Elizabeth. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, so how did your relationship begin with Kate? Um, I know it was her first movie, right? Which, I mean, your first movie with her and then it just stuck. Yes. Yes. I mean, she was in a movie that I was department head and uh, it was called The Man Who Cried. It was set in the 1940s and it was quite glamorous. I guess, you know, she just, she liked my work. It was a very busy movie for me. So it's not, it wasn't as if we had like a buddy, you know, bonding. It was uh-huh. very work driven. I had, work, work. it was a big cast. And at the end she just said, you know, I really like your work and I'd love to work with you again. And, and so we have for the it's, past, off and on for the past 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. Amazing. I, um, I was looking into the movie, which I was so surprised that I hadn't seen it. I love all the elements, you know, circus and, you know, the, uh, all the actors are incredible. Did you, did you, you were the mar- makeup artist, the makeup department head. So do you, how big was that team? Because it was really a lot of, Uh, It wasn't, it wasn't a huge team. I think um, there were about four, four of us main, main crew. And then, you know, obviously for the essays, we had extra makeup people, makeup and hair people coming. So it it wasn't a big budget movie at all. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was extremely hard work, which is what I mean when I say we didn't have time to like make friends or anything. It was very like... Concentrate. Where, where did it shoot? Was it in London? In Paris, in which Paris. was really that was the upside. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic to be in Paris. Yeah, it's really good. Oh man, the movie is just beautiful and, and so mm. the looks are so glamorous yeah. and amazing. Yeah. And then you um, you stuck with each other through then. And I mean, um, I may or may not. Um, I don't know how to say this, but I I. When I love the way Kate looks, it's it, I noticed that the credit is always Morag, and I wondered if that if you you definitely have a special touch to her. It's a it's a it's it's I don't know what it is. It's something magical. And can you explain um, how you approach? Do you approach? Her, her first as you know her and you know her skin and face to behave and then work the character into that? This is kind of a esoteric question, but, you know. Um, I think, I think, yes. I think knowing her face or knowing, you know, one person's face right. is, is, a, is definitely a bonus as a makeup artist if you're, going to be doing character makeups or, or if you're going to just concentrate on beauty, it's really helpful. And I guess that is what I think of first. And I think how I can, yes, mold that and adapt it, I guess. Mm-hmm. How do you, you know, for instance, you know, going from, we did Elizabeth the Golden Age and then three weeks later we did Bob Dylan. And I have to say, <laughs> but I, I was not phased at all. I, I just thought I cannot wait to do this. I know that I can, I know that I can do this. And I just thought, uh, you know, because I knew Kate's face and I thought, yeah, this is going to work. And um, I know that I didn't warn you that I was going to talk about Bob Dylan, but how, how <laughs> I, now that you're here, I'm just, how did you, three weeks later. So, so are you, you're researching Bob Dylan while you're working on Elizabeth? It's, is it yes, overlapping? Yeah. Okay. Um, the research overlapped and um, you know the uh, 
the actual film was the the makeup and hair department was run by Peter Owen, designed the wigs and um, made the wig for Bob Dylan, and Rick Findlater was on set as the makeup department, makeup and hair department head. So it was a very strong team behind it, and um, we did a fitting. Peter brought the wig round. We did a fitting with Kate for Bob Dylan in London, while we were still working on Elizabeth and I. You know, we just discussed it. I said, oh, I think it'd be good to have little gentle sideburns and maybe eyebrow pieces to go for it a bit more. And then took it from there. You know. oh, it's extraordinary. I mean, I, I'll never forget that first vision of seeing her. It wasn't Peter Owen, sorry. I should just say Peter King. Oh, okay. We okay. used to work together and I did Okay. Okay. I, um, I remember hearing that it was going to happen and, you know, everybody was like, oh, how is this going to work? How is this going to work? And when you saw that first image from set, it was, it worked 100%. And I did, so you're very confident that these things, I feel like what I've seen of you, you're very confident and assured. And that's really a, a, a quality that leads to the longevity and making the actor feel safe and like, she's got this. And do you ever feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Well, most of the time, I mean, I suppose, I mean, I guess it's even funny to hear myself talking about that situation mm. with that um, confidence that I felt. Mm. Um, because normally it is the opposite way. I'm just, you know, I suffer from imposter syndrome. Just really? as, as many people, yeah. And, um, I think in a creative job, generally, we all get nervous because it, there's always a huge element of the unknown. Yeah. And um, so there's always anxiety at the beginning. And, and certainly I always feel anxiety. I mean, I'm about to start a job and I've already, you know, started tossing and turning at night thinking, what about this? And hmm, yeah, how am I going to do that? And, uh, it just comes with the job, I think. And I, th I think, you know, Complacency just doesn't, it doesn't bode well for a creative experience, I think, because you're just not going to be open to things that happen or struggle or searching for a good look, you know. I so am, I'm so happy to hear you say all this right now because I was thinking before I talked to you I was like you know her work is so compelling and and interesting and I hope I I was getting nervous to ask you the right questions you know and I'm like why I talk you know talking is so why am I overanalyzing this but the second that you're not and you're not thinking about it and you're not getting nervous is when you should probably stop doing it yeah, exactly <laughs> Can you share with us what you are going to be going in to working on or no, um, uh, we're getting ready to do a film. Uh, I, I think it's common knowledge, you know, Kate's okay. going to do a film called Borderlands yeah. and um, shooting in Hungary. So I'm just getting ready for that. And actually will be my first film since uh, the pandemic started. So and that's wonderful. Here. That's wonderful because you, you did, you got COVID. Yeah. Did you? I did get COVID. Yeah. In fact, I, I was supposed to do a film over Christmas, oh. and unfortunately, yeah, oh. tested positive on the twenty third of December. So things changed a little bit. Oh my gosh! But look at you persevering. Resilience, resilience, <laughs> resilience. Um, I'm really happy to hear that that you're going to be shooting soon, and I'm glad that we're starting to all come move forward <laughs> out of all this. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to ask you 
first about Mrs. America, really astonished by this look because, you know, Phyllis is an unlikable person. And um, first of all, the performance was incredible, um, you know, making you feel empathy for someone um, like Phyllis. And um, the looks, I, I was curious how you came together to form this look other than just looking at the real Phyllis um, and how Kate and you worked and uh, for wigs, it was um, war, uh, war, Carrie, right? Carrie, yes. Carrie yes. Amazing. Yes. yes. And, and, and you worked together on this look and I wondered how you used blue eyeshadow without it looking like an icy, it would just, it was soft and beautiful. And, you know, the evolution of her um, sort of coming together and becoming like, I got this at the end and sort of evolving into, I was reading articles calling the look glamorous, which is hilarious to think. That's hilarious, yes. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, can you talk a little bit about the evolution of the look of her and translating it from the real Phyllis to um, the one that was played on the screen? I, I think it was excellent. Um, well, absolutely. I mean, the real Phyllis was not a glamorous person. Right. She was, she was very, very conservative and always wore blue eyeshadow. And she, um, but I think what's interesting always is the arc of the evolution. You know, she started off not, she was a conservative woman and um, conservatively dressed, probably went to the hairdresser once a week for a shampoo and set quite old fashioned considering what was happening in the States at the time. Um, Definitely of the more um, behind the times fashion. And, um, but you know, as uh, the 10 years that Mrs. America covers progressed, she did develop a look and stuck to it uh, and became slightly more, I guess it was became more polished Mm -hmm. and it became more severe. Uh, And there was a, a hint of Margaret Thatcher about it with the, yes. the, the hair that was sprayed. You could imagine that, you know, it would be hard to the touch. Yes. And um, to translate that, I mean, I think it's interesting to translate that to television because obviously you want to get a good representation physically of that woman. And again, it's what, what would I do with Kate's face and my makeup? So, for instance, I mean, starting really like with the bones of it, she had very specific teeth. She had two, they're called butterfly teeth, where the front two teeth are a bit like a butterfly. They sit slightly Uh, in front of the other teeth. So I had a little um, uh, veneer Uh made um, by um, Chris Lyons at Bangs Effects, which is fantastic. So that immediately changed Kate's, um, and the focal point as a speaker, it's fantastic to have that to have Phyllis's teeth. And then, you know, the makeup, I mean, yeah, it was blue eyeshadow, but I felt, you know, she starts off looking maybe dowdier at the beginning and progresses into a more polished look. To use, and to be true to Phyllis, but also, I think, again, I mean, maybe I'm just, you know, um, over embellishing my contribution. But, you know, kids, uh, Kate's performance was so amazing because yes, um, she was a very right wing um, politician and 
Kate's performance is so amazing that you see something very rich and it makes you, you do have an, an empathy for her at certain times, which you may not have had if you just read about her. Exactly, exactly. And um, in the same way, I suppose, with the makeup, because it's television, I was thinking, well, how can you make this look like Phyllis, but also make it look good? Yes. Also make it look kind of great in a way. So the, fir the first thing was the, the very opening scene, which was a bit of a red herring because it starts, it's called Mrs. America. It starts with a beauty pageant and you see Phyllis in this two-piece swimsuit. And originally Kate had said, well, I think this should be, you know, it looks like she's done her own makeup for the pageant. And I said, mm, really, I don't want to do it that way. I really think let's, you know, imagine that you've gone to the best department store in the city. And one of those girls has done your makeup for the beauty pageant. And I, because I really felt it was one moment to do this more iconic makeup of the period. It was an, it was an excuse that it could be done. And also it was a bit of red, a red herring because you didn't know then what is this series about? You know, yes. cuts what kind of Mrs. America? To, it's nothing to do with the beauty pageant. It's about right. politically what was happening. But it was also just to, um, I suppose, to, to hook people in visually and to capture them visually because you think, mm -hmm. wow, you know, Kate, she looks amazing. And, yes. uh, you know, and I, I, I got a big kick out of it as well, you know. Yeah. And Kate starts yeah. off looking great and I was like, yeah, this is really good. Um, so so they do they you and Kate conspire and you come up with something and then do you bring that to the director about that that look um, like this is what we've decided yeah there's a yes absolutely you know obviously you know we work hand in hand mm -hmm. and um, Kate has very specific ideas and we usually talk everything through and um, bounce ideas off each other to get to the final um, look and yes we, you know Obviously, we run it by directors and say, you're happy with this? This is the, the road we're going to go down. Is there something specific that you felt, you know, should be created at this moment? That's such a brave, it's so brave to push back, um, you know, to have that relationship. And what a gift that you can really sort of bat ideas back and forth with Kate, you know, and mm. um, it was also interesting about how her look did not... Um, evolve per se but it was perfected because I, I it's very true to her character to be like I feel she would say this works for me and I'm not going to change this, and this, this yes mm. right and I just like I do everything else that we're sticking with this and um so so but it was refined in a way and do you develop yes, a look in a series like that um before the show begins shooting or um do you, are you ever inspired as you begin to film? Well, it was five months. So we did, oh God. It was five months shooting and also chronologically, but also um, I, th I can't remember how much prep time, you know, you don't, you would never really have enough prep time to, to map all those looks out. You might have the idea in your head, but to physically map them out would be a great luxury. Um, so a lot of it is about just, about the evolution and you realize as you're doing it, um, this is what it needs. And it, it was a gift in a way because Phyllis did start out being slightly more homely looking mm -hmm. and less put together. You know, Kerry didn't do the hair in such a perfect way for her first 
TV interviews, you know, he used lots of lovely flyaways and um, you could, you know, I could see how I was going to slowly build the makeup to become not a mask, but to become more of a yes. refined look. No, it was 100%. I don't know what it is. It's a secret that you had for this particular um, piece where it, I believe that she put that on every day. I believe that she wore this every day. This was not like something where I'm seeing a, I always call it the school play syndrome when in period mm -hmm. pieces, when it's sort of, mm -hmm. you know, you can see the wig, it doesn't move <laughs> or behave in any way. And the makeup is like, you can tell um, that they sat in the chair and then they went mm -hmm. to the set. And there was a, an ability for this, this whole look to be so believable and move you know, with her. Um, I, I just thought that the work was incredible. Was there a particular look in the show that you were most proud of? Was it the opening scene probably? Um, as a beauty look, I just love the opening yeah. scene. But yeah. I did, I also, I, I thought exactly what you're describing um, worked because you saw the character as a real person. So yes. you saw her at home. There was an episode where she's going through the menopause, which I loved. So she's, you know, she's all hot and quite sweaty. And um, then she has the eye patch and you see how <gasps> her um, vulnerable at night, you know, before she's going to bed. And um, I think it's those moments that bring that credibility. Um, it's a real person who, yeah, she gets up and she gets dressed and she goes to the hairdresser and, um, but she's a, a vulnerable human being also. So it's, yeah. it's nice to have those um, differences in the makeup too, I think. You, do, you prefer, um, do you prefer one or the other being a personal or a department head? Um, you know, I, I was a department head for so many so years and um, I would department head again if the right project came along, mm -hmm. but I just, I'm very happy with what I'm doing. And I think they're both um, stressful in different ways. You know, they both have their own little challenges mm -hmm. and um, they're just the weight of the trip. The stress is put in different places, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, the, the wonderful thing about working with Kate is that she never looks the same. I know. So it's constantly a challenge and it's not as if I kind of feel, oh, yeah, I'll pack that kit. I know exactly what it's going to be and I'll, I can do it like <laughs> painting by numbers with my eyes closed. It's always uh, how are we you know, going to achieve this? So. And I also think that you understand how she works and, and then you, you know what ideas she's going to respond to. I mean, that's obvious or whatever, but I wonder if sometimes you look over here and you say, and you have an idea about somebody else doing something on say Mrs. America and do you ever find yourself collaborating or do you stay in your lane and sort of just focus um, on? What do you mean talking about other people's makeup? I yeah, think. like do you ever see it as a whole? Does it ever, being that you were a makeup um, department head, mm -hmm. does that ever like, do you ever feel like you ha you can't um, look <laughs> all around because you'll go you back to that? Um, I think 
I mean, I think I do that automatically. You do. I look all around. Of course I do. Yes. I look all around at everything, but you know, it's not my call. And, but it's very nice. Um, Nice is such a weak word, but it's great to be part of a team. Um, Being personal when, when it's a great team, because you'll talk about things anyway. Right. And I think, you know, there's a lot of mutual respect with the makeup department because, you know, we're all in the same boat yeah. and yeah. it's great to have each other's backs. And even just for a chat about like, what would you do about this? Or, oh, I loved what you did yesterday. And um, I think that's part of, you know, it's part of making, a, do, being in a project together. It's not, uh, you might be a personal to uh, one actor, but it doesn't mean that you're in any way exclusive. It just means that that is your role, but you're still part of the, Cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, that's what I was curious about. I was having trouble yeah. forming the idea, but I would, yeah, I, I would uh, wonder how that that all plays out. And then, okay, so now let's we can switch worlds and we can go into the Marvel world for a second, where um, it's very different, right? It's a, a huge machine, <laughs> and were you shocked? Uh, this was was this your first? Um, this is the first time she is Hella, right? Is, yes, yes, she's just that's been Hella once, yes. Yeah, and um, this this must have been like a lot of fun. <laughs> it was amazing fun. Uh, it was really, really great fun. We um, shot in Australia, which was amazing, and uh, oh yeah, it was just it was fantastic. It's it was really, really it's a really. Un- incredible look I mean there's burgundy in the black there's everything shows up it is incredible I I didn't uh I I I could not believe my eyes when I saw this character come on the screen and um I just I was so impressed and and can you tell us anything about the development of that look did it did it come from your mind and the comic did it uh where did it originate you know what was first well you know we had to be originally uh when we started the prep the prep for the makeup and hair um we were given guidelines from the marvel universe and it was very much from the comics to be true to the marvel universe uh which was quite conservative in a way yeah um the the look from the studio and uh so we started out doing makeup and hair tests and makeup was more traditional, ah. I would say, when, when we started out. Yeah. And um, it was actually, you know, we just really kind of kept it cooking and pushing. And Kate was fantastic because she really very gently would say, let's, you know, let's just try this. Let's try that. Let's keep trying other things. And we tried a lot. You know, we did... Um, I remember uh, we tried really uh, glossy black lips uh, at one point, which I, I loved, but they nobody really went for those. It was quite a hard <laughs> look, but you know, Hela is quite a hard. You know, she's the goddess, so then yeah. she is quite a hard character. Yeah. But anyway, that was one of the things in the pot at one point, and um, you know, at one point, and we the. It does appear in the film we went for a lot more green in the eye makeup to go mm-hmm. with the metallic green to go with her. Oh amazing my God, that skin. costume, I mean, um, wow. It's 
I had a lot of palettes on the go and I, I did mix a lot of things myself just because we were trying out so many things. And I remember um, even arriving when we got to the black suit, the opening where we first see Lahela, which has the wonderful ultra smoky yeah. eyes. Um, obviously, I wanted a nude lip. And because I had tried so many different permutations of black lips and burgundy lips and I remember I had this pale grey lipstick and that's what I did I mixed the pale grey because I wanted like a nude but not like a lipstick colour nude Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's what I found was with this pale grey and I just dipped a little touch of um, wine colour into it which made this really it's the color of lips, actually. Yeah. And it's used a little bit of liner. Uh-huh. And that's how I got my natural lips, which I know you would probably want to talk about the eye makeup, but I think uh, I love the lips as well. I mean, the eye makeup was just, and um, that kind of evolved too. I just kind of, I went for it. And then it was an interesting thing to actually, because the smokiness went under the eyes as well yeah. as above. That was quite a challenge to make that look good over the course of a 13 hour day. That's my biggest question. How did you keep up that continuity? Yes. And without it kind of creasing and and just looking not so, because it had to look like a sort of sfumatura, they would say in Italy. It had to be just blending out as if it had been airbrushed on and um so I wouldn't do under the eyes until we actually got onto the set I see. and I would do it um at the last minute and I then see. I would just I would buff it you know before each close-up okay. with a, a fluffy um brush and I would just buff it to make sure that it was buffed out of any little fine lines or laugh lines or whatever Oh my God. Amazing. How do you, do you, the, she, her skin is so, um, you know, flawless, obviously it's like the, the big thing. How does it, um, how, do you have to care for her skin every day on Like, does it add to the time or do you just sort of do it, uh, in every other day maybe, or do you do it every um, day? No, do I, I do like to do a lot of um, skin preparation every day. I think it, it's gotta be the fantastic. most important it's got to be the most it's 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 fantastic because it gives to the person if first thing in the morning they're going to feel good it's going to wake up the face um yeah. you know the hours are so long it's it detoxes it moves everything it tones you know so i do a lot of facial massage i do facials and um as much as i can really probably you know there's a good we allow at least half an hour every morning for facial work that before seems, we actually start. That seems totally... But then you have to get into, you know, right. how long it actually takes. So that half hour is, you know, it's a, it's quite luxurious, but it's a kind of commitment that we both want to make because yeah. it's so worth it. Yes, 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 yes. I Do you do that to yourself? Um, <laughs> I try to, um, I, you know, every day, absolutely no way. But I try to dedicate one um, day a week absolutely to my face <laughs> honestly know, whatever I can <laughs> I can you have the greatest skin and face it's amazing I, I I was assuming that you had like a wonder gadget for your face but um I do love gadgets do I am you? you know I'll, yeah I'm absolute sucker for gadgets I just love them I will 
you know. And it's it's funny, they have become really, really um, popular, haven't they? Over the past over the past few years, they've become yeah. really like big business. They're used much more, even down to um, the facial massage stones, the quartz stones. Yep. Do you think um, they're being used correctly, though? I always wonder about that. I don't know. Um, probably, I think correctly. I think if if um, an aesthetician who'd been trained in that field uh, could probably get more out of them, I don't think you're going to do harm or anything because there's no electric current. It's it's a quartz stone and facial massage is so good. I think some of the moves are going to be very obvious. And um, you could probably get more if you really studied, you could probably get more right. out of them. So, right. so it's not it's really great. It's only it's it's not doing any damage, but it's it's mm. not it's it's, it do, it's very I would say that you know how you use them probably varies from per, person to person. Right. Um, how did you, you know, I'm thinking as I'm talking, how did you find your way from Glasgow to, to movies? Um, I was at art college in Glasgow art. and, um, I started doing makeup as an art student. So I was really lucky. I, I loved makeup. I did it in my spare time. I worked for hairdressers and, um, and, and somebody said to me, listen, you know, you could apply to BBC television because they train people to do makeup. And I didn't know that. And I, I at the time, it doesn't exist anymore, which is okay. really sad. At the time, um, you, they, had, they would have makeup school. So you had to go for an interview to get into the makeup school, which I did. And I was just very fortunate. In fact, I think the year that I applied um, when I was finishing art college, they wanted to try art students, coincidentally, which is you know why I got accepted. So they, there, I think there were twelve of us, and maybe ten of us had all been to art school. Um, so it was it was a, called the makeup school. You stayed there for three months. You kind of did a little bit of everything, and you got a report on what you did. And then if you went through that successfully, they took you on as a trainee. Then you were a trainee for the rest of two years. If you did that, you became an assistant. So it was a very thorough training in makeup and hair. Oh, that's amazing. Mm. I didn't know. I wish they had this much training. Now. Oh, no, it, I mean, it really, it was incredible because wow. you did makeup, hair, you did wigs, you did special effects. Um, so why didn't you find yourself going into the wigs? Well, I did. I did. And did. for a long time, I did makeup and hair. Um and I gave it up, I think after, was it Charlotte Grey? So I, I did do like makeup and hair um, and wigs. For quite a lot of oh my God. That's, that's and then nice. I just felt it became too much. Yeah, a lot of the time, yes. If there's a lot of wigs and it's one person. It's absolutely doing, too much. It's just like, you know, 17 hours a day, every day. And I just thought, no. no. Um, and the aviator too was was really extraordinary. And was that fun to do? Or was it a lot it of pressure? Just, I would feel it was like a lot of pressure. It was a big film, and again, I was department head as well as looking after Kate. So oh. it was a lot to do. Um, oh, but yeah, I mean, it was Martin Scorsese. It was just such an honor for a start, and it was a beautiful movie to do. You know. 
Yeah. It was a great period. It was really good. It was hard work, but it was good fun. Yes. I mean, that's many people's favorite, I'm sure. I, um, I, I love, love, love the way she looks in that movie, but I, I love how she looks every time you do her. Um, and, and then you're getting ready to go again. You're go- ready. Are you a little bit nervous about protocols? And um, Absolutely, yes. I mean, you know, I've done some work over the year, but just like daily work. So um, within um, COVID uh, regulations. Uh, you know, I think, you know, it's tough, I think, to do movies with all the COVID protocol in place. You know, you were asking about the inspiration and how we got the look for Hella. Yes. And, you know, I remember that Kate very cleverly, actually, uh, and it threw myself. Uh, Kay Georgia was doing the hair and she did that beautiful black wig. Oh. And um, Kate said, you know, I really like this look. And it was from the punk era. And it was a person in England called Sue Catwoman. You know, to what land are we traveling now? Um, but actually, it was it was the sort of kernel of thought that brought about the final look because we realized that we just had to push a little bit further, um, which is why in the end, I suppose, I pushed the eye makeup further to create something that was, it was just more striking. Because even at that, you know, Hela is actually, she's the goddess of death. You know, we could have gone, um, if if uh, the production had wanted, you know, she could have had half skull, half real face. Oh, you know, right, 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 right. A lot of the time. So really it was, I think it was absolutely right to want to push it to be darker and to be richer and to have more impact. Because yeah, because she's truly... She's yeah. and she's the worst. So mean. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. A true villain. Um, yes. And is there a point when you realize, like, we've got it. That's it. Um, I think it was when we shot that um, look for the first time, uh, and I remember looking in the monitor and thinking, "This just it photographs so beautifully. Yeah. It's so strong, and it's striking." because she you know she's a goddess she has to be commanding you know and it was kind of mesmerizing and terrifying at the same time you're just sucked in by and and what comes first the um does she harness that power of the character and then that translates into how far you're going to push it or um just the legend and lore of hella um is that what do you do it all at the same time? Not really. I mean, I suppose that's the thing. That's a that's a good question because, you know, we do makeup and hair and costume tests and we arrive at the look before we see Kate's performance. Uh-huh. You know, that's all done in pre-production. So it's amazing to see, to then watch Kate work and to see the character come come to life. And... That's what I'm saying. It makes a lot of sense when um, Kate or any other actor um, has a request and say, you know, I really feel that I should have, um, I don't know, you know, stronger eye makeup or, right. you know, you know, harsher hair or whatever, because it's their thought process and it is, it is their um, attention to detail for their character. And it, 
it has to be instrumental in their work at the end of the day. We are just facilitating, you know, creating their character, but they have to actually bring them to life. Yes, yes. And were you a little bit like, oh, shit, now we committed to this look where I have to. I have to 17 hours a day, make sure that it looks exactly. No, do you know what? I, I did. I did really love it. And I still yeah. love it. I look at it and I, you know, get a kick out of it. And um, it's extraordinary. It but there's no liquid in there. There's no, it's all, it's all shadow. It's all powder. It was all powder, powder eyeshadows and um, eyeliner. Yeah. And, you know, uh, cold pencils. Oh my gosh. Yes. Cause I, I had originally thought that you would say that it was, do you know that consistency? It's not a cream shadow, but it's almost tacky. It's almost, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I forget who makes it, but it, there's, I, that's what I thought that it was because it does have a sheen to it. That's like Mm -hmm. incredible. It's absolutely incredible. But then now when you do press for like something like Thor, does she want to ever make a nod to that look that because I never have seen her really have I in in like smoky eyes like on the red carpet? I feel like she left Um, Hella. She left Hella on the screen there. (laughs) uh, Yes, I think Hella's on. I think characters are on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. And that should be, I suppose. Yes, yes. And now, you know, when you, this Thor, this particular Thor is many people's favorite Marvel movie, you know, so I, I would assume that Hela would, would, would make another appearance magically. I don't know. Yeah, I would love that. I don't yeah. have read any of, anything about that myself. Yeah. But, you know, you would hope that Ooh. she would have power to be resurrected. Yes, yes, yes. To return. If anyone did, her, her and Wanda are quite, quite powerful, quite powerful. Um, Yes. I think, think that, I think that we did talk about the looks enough. I mean, it's never enough, obviously. There's always something more. I think um, it's also not, well, you know, the interesting thing is talking about awards, you know, you never, um, well, at least I don't. You don't go into a job thinking, oh, I want to win an award or I'm doing this and I'm going to get an award. I don't think you ever, I don't think one ever, ever thinks about that. It's absolutely something that just happens and it's, it's, it's lovely and, um, you know, it can be exciting and it's, you know, humbling and all those, you know, things that, but um, it's, not, it's not why you, you work. Right absolutely not you know right. it's a nice thing but it's not it's just um I don't think it enters into it really well it's a bit it's a bit like if you're you know if you're not still anxious or if you're exactly. just rewards I think it's all over well yes because your motivation and and the whole uh, the incentive is all wrong and and then the universe tends to not award us for you know, those types of things. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then it crushes your soul because you've, you know, how can you come up from that? Mm. You've done a whole look yes. just because you thought like everyone will pay attention. You know yeah. what I mean? Then you're doubly, triply crushed when it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that you can have the longevity that, that you've had if that's, if you're not showing up every day because you just 
love it, you know, and are excited by what's happening and what's being created and have a great relationship with your muse. And, you know, it's, it's, you have it all, Morag. <laughs> you know, I've been very fortunate. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I've but been, what is that? You're not, I'm very much on here. Everyone always says I've been very lucky. And I just do not believe in that. I don't believe in it because I think that we create our our destinies and the ability to hold on to them. And hmm. I yeah. think and it's hard work. Yes, you you're have to make very it you're very level headed and you're very practical. And then have the right amount of uh, love for it. Mm. When the love goes away, it's um, it's brutal. Yeah. You know, um, do you have any advice for anyone? Uh, I, people always like to give advice. Sometimes like I ask for three pieces of advice to somebody you might encounter who's like, I want to do what you do. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I suppose it's that typical thing about what would you tell your younger self? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, I, I did start when I was really young, I think I was only about 28, 29 when I did my first feature film as makeup designer, um, which is extremely young. And I had to learn a lot along the way after that, because that put me on my own. You know, I didn't, I wasn't working as an assistant. I was working as a designer. Right. So consequently, everything that followed, um, I did, well, a lot of it, I just had to work out for myself. And I didn't mind that, but I think if I were to give advice, it would be don't go too quickly. Absolutely grab any opportunity you can to learn from people that you really respect mm. because it will only benefit you in the end. And I, I didn't do that. And I think it worked out fine, but it could have, you know, I could have been enriched in a different way and that would have been fine too. And that's what I would actually recommend to somebody, you know. I love if that. You, if you get the chance to work with somebody that you really love, absolutely take it and, yeah. you know, learn what you can and just wait, wait a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, also, you know, I've done this for 40 years and the makeup industry has changed so enormously and makeup just as a, an industry, as a craft, as a possible career, all those things have changed and the aspirations of young people to, to follow those paths has become, um, it has changed a lot as well. I mean, the great thing about like social media and the internet is there is this huge forum for learning. Sure. And for sharing, which there wasn't obviously when I started. And that is incredible. Right. Not just for learning as well as for sharing your work. But um, there also is a, can create a false sense of, oh, I'm ready to, I'm a makeup artist, I'm ready. And it is um, sort of running before you can walk. Or, I don't know. It can That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with you that it, because you're getting the validation from onlookers mm -hmm. and not necessarily from the industry. And so you, you don't know who, who is validating what yeah. <laughs> and not having the experiences that, and it, it is, you know, 
I'm not saying yes or no. It's just, it's a different world. Very different. It's a very different world. And um, I suppose what I, the one thing that I love about it is the fact that it is a forum, that it is a sharing place and, um, and that people love learning about little things that they didn't know about makeup. Or oh, I mean, tips. my God, I, to, to be able to share that. Yes. I mean, to be able to uh, come in contact with you, I would never have been able. I remember writing letters to people mm-hmm. and mailing them to the production company, you know, because I wanted to meet yeah. with them or work with them and, and just being able to contact you so I can talk, talk to you about a look that inspired me so much, you know, is, is a gift of social media and, mm-hmm. and all of that good stuff. So that's the good thing. However, it is complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. But um, I'm very excited for for what's next for you, Murak, and I can't wait to see more. (laughs) I and hopefully, you know, everything's going to open up soon, and life will be better for all of us. Thanks for listening to my conversation with the world's coolest makeup artist, Morag. I know that, like me, you could listen to her accent all day. And I can't wait to see what's next for her and Kate. And I'll be sure to have her back on if she can. Next week, my guest is so huge that I can't even tell you who it is because I don't want to jinx anything. It's a person that inspired me so much in my life and inspired so many people and artists. And I can't believe he's going to be on this podcast. So stay tuned to IG. Look behind the look. I'll be hinting about who this mystery guest is and you're going to love it. Look Behind the Look is a Vinyl Foot production written by me, your host, Tiffany Bartok, produced by Jace Bartok, edited by Nicole Tucker. If you're interested in learning more, find our video version on the YouTube channel, Look Behind the Look podcast. There you can see rare photos and clips from our guests. And please follow us on Twitter at Look Behind Pod and Instagram at Look Behind the Look. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And tell your friends and spread the word. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or any podcatcher of your choice. Thanks for listening to Look Behind the Look.